0: We're in James chapter 5 this morning. And I want you to think about this. When you're learning a skill, it's really good to have somebody to look at who knows what they're doing. You know, a role model, a hero. Somebody who can say, this is how you do it. You ever had a hero? Anybody? Okay, one, okay, that's because you've been learning different skills, haven't you? And when you see somebody who knows what they're doing, you can watch them and you can learn stuff. You see, I've had heroes in my life. Unfortunately, they're all dead. But I learned a lot by watching them. And it's so interesting how when somebody knows what they're doing and you look at them, you can pick up all the answers. This is the way to go, but that's not the way. This is how you do it, not that. And you can learn from them. They inspire you to say, that, that is what I wanna be. And they're like a bridge. You cross over on them, and then you get closer to where you wanna be. Now, the interesting thing is, you don't stick with these guys forever because something else comes up and you think, oh my gosh, that guy has an angle on it too. And you start kind of learning from a couple different heroes, right? And then you find at a certain point, your own particular thing. And you're not so much on your heroes, you're more your own person. And somebody else could learn from you and say, whoa, that person has a clue, I'm gonna, key into them. I'm going to look at them. I'm going to see what they're doing. I'm going to learn me something. And you, you realize, whoa, I'm solving somebody else's problems. All right? As disciples, we are learning skills. You know why? Because God says you're going to. <laughs> and you know, if you don't learn, he hasn't taught. So guess what? Prepare to learn. So we're learning the biggest skill, and that is how to follow Jesus. Have you ever wondered, how does this thing work? How am I supposed to do it? Do you ever wish you could look at somebody who could show you all the answers? Well, we're going to look into that. We want to look at those people who really know how to live for Jesus because being a disciple means living radically. It really does. I'm not trying to be a a cheerleader or something. Being a Christian is a radical life. And that's because Jesus isn't like us. He is way advanced. He's beyond us. And in comparison, we are backwards to Jesus. So, James wants us to get off of ourselves and doing our own thing. And he wants us to be focused on following Jesus. So, what he's saying, in effect, is go get a hero. All right? I'm reading in James 5, at verse 9. And it says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Now I know what you're thinking. Rob, James did not use the word hero one time. So what is this? peace. All will be explained. Just stick with me. What I want you to notice first is that James wants us to get over ourselves. Has anybody ever told you to do that? Get over yourself. Quit contemplating your belly button fuzz. He wants us to not be like the rich people that he's talked about in the beginning of this chapter. Totally focused on ourselves, accumulating money so we don't have to suffer. We can indulge in wanton pleasure and we can use our power to defraud others and make more money. That's not for you, says James. He says, You need to suffer and to be patient until the end when Jesus returns and brings everything to its fruition. It's the main point of what he's doing. This is the finale, the harvest, the end. James says, I want you to endure to the end. And you know, if we give up following Jesus, and if we quit, then we're not going to receive The promise. Jesus said it's the one who endures to the end who is going to get saved. So we don't do ourselves any favors by dropping out, by giving up, by saying, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. You know, some people think that if they kill themselves, they're going to end their troubles. And that has become more of a danger in this lockdown. Because people don't see a way out. And the government isn't offering any ways out. They're only thinking up new ways to lock us down. Okay. But we've got to deal with us. And the hard part about taking your own life is that it doesn't solve anything. It means to surrender to that evil person that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It means allowing yourself to be completely conquered by someone who hates you. And God doesn't want us to be conquered. He doesn't want us to be mistreated and beat up by the devil. So killing ourselves, giving up is not a solution. You know what we really need is real encouragement. Not just there, there, dear, it'll be okay. Well, how do you know? Do you know that if it's not true, it's not encouraging? So whatever it is that we get relief and help from, it better be the truth. And suffering with patience. Patience means the ability to bear with suffering, with calmness, and not get frazzled and blown out. It means to keep your cool and to be able to persevere calmly. That's what we need. And we need to get over ourselves in Jesus. Now, here's an example of getting over ourselves In verse 9 where James says, do not grumble against one another, brethren. Now in chapter 4, verse 11, James said, don't be backbiters. That means saying nasty about somebody when they're not there. This is different. This is a word that means Your reaction to irritation and annoyance is that little drip, 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 drip. And after a while, you just go, I want to kill somebody. But it just goes on and on and on. And this word means to groan. You know what that is. Uh, James says, don't do that. Something is irritating you. It happens over and over again, till you go (sighs) Now, my father didn't like that kind of breathing. And I remember him saying, I don't want to hear any breathing. (laughs) But what he meant was this little exhalation that says, I am not pleased. Oh, man, he did not want to hear that. So this expression (sighs) means, I don't like that, whatever it is. And it's viewing life through this little lens that says, I want to be pleased. And this person is not pleasing me. And so... Now, it's natural to do that, isn't it? But we as believers in Jesus are not to do that because James says we're going to come into judgment with Jesus. And he says the judge is at the door. And the, the real issue is we're not doing the law. The law is the law of liberty to love one another And so we're actually criticizing the law and the lawgiver. We're saying, that's a dumb law. I have to put up with this. So it's taking the position of God, this little breathing. (sighs) Stop that. I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. Well, I quit breathing. But it's this whole attitude of, I don't like this. Now, do you know what James says to do here? Well, it's not here. That's the problem. you got to read the whole Bible. The right thing to do is to actually, the opposite thing, which is to please that other person. Okay, get ready for backwards here, folks. This is what Paul says in Romans 14. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? That's heavy breathing, okay? <sighs> For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then every one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge another one another anymore, but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. And a little further down, in Romans 14, it says this, For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. And this is what he says in Romans 15. Now we who are strong ought to bear with the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction So that through the perseverance and the encouragement of their scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. So do you hear what Paul is saying? He says, our brother or our sister does not have to please us. Nothing has to please us because we're not God. We need to please God. And so he says, Go ahead and please that other person for their upbuilding, for their good. So he says, the emphasis is not on me. Do I like this person? Well, that, that's immaterial. You know you can love anybody, even somebody you don't really like? Because it doesn't matter if you like them, but you can love them. Look over that list in 1 Corinthians 13 and see if anything in there says you have to have a nice fuzzy tingle for somebody. And it doesn't. So nobody has to please you. But you ought to please everybody around you. How's that for radical? Do you think that way? I sure don't. I want everybody and everything in the entire world to revolve around me and make me happy. And boy, if somebody doesn't, I don't like it. Reverse it. But you know what? The emphasis is not on me. It's not about me. It's about others. And see, this is exactly what Jesus did. His goal is to make the Father happy. So even if somebody is going against God, it all falls on Jesus. He took all those reproaches. He did not please himself. And if he is living in us, then that's how his life comes out in our life. Even if somebody yells at us and reproaches us and doesn't think much of us, we can please them. That's Jesus. And that's what James really says to do. Now, this is radical, is it not? Is this your first instinct when somebody kind of just is racking on you and you just go, oh, what can I do for you? Can I make you a sandwich? Are you comfortable? Are your shoes tied too tight? Can I help you? No, you want to knock him into the middle of next week. Don't grumble. Here's another area that James wants us to get over ourselves. And it's with this thing about do not swear in verse 12. Do not swear. Now some people have misinterpreted this to mean that you never, ever take an oath. that you don't, you know, swear to tell the truth in court and you don't make oaths of military service. Or I don't know what they do about marriage vows. How do you get married without making a solemn vow before God? I don't know. That's not what this is talking about. He's talking to making oaths lightly and taking them lightly. And this is what Jesus referred to in Matthew chapter 5. He says again, You've heard that the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head. You cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. And it was a practice for somebody to make a vow to the Lord. If you help me, Lord, then I will do this for you. And that can get you into trouble. Because what if you make a vow and God helps you and then you don't pay? You know, God takes every word that comes out of our mouth seriously. And we are going to be judged for every single word. So how about the promises we make? And... Jesus says, you know what? You don't have what it takes to keep that vow. You can't even change the color of one hair on your head. Do not put yourself in this situation. Because making a promise puts all that responsibility upon you. You have to look to yourself to fulfill the promise. Now, let me ask you. Have you ever said to God, Oh God, if you just forgive me this one time, I'll never do that again? I promise. Have you ever done that? Did it work? No, it didn't. And now you're twice as freaked out because you made a promise and you didn't keep it, and now you've done it again. So now what do you do? Make two promises? You're already in, over your head. This is not the way to go because it puts all the pressure to perform on you. And that's not following Jesus. That's not Christianity. It's not what we bring to God. It's what Jesus has done for us already that we're depending upon. So anytime we're putting the emphasis back on what I do for God, we're going to blow it. Guaranteed. And Jesus knows this. That's why he says, don't do that. Don't worry about that. Don't put the pressure on yourself. Say yes if you mean yes. Say no, if you mean no, and ask Jesus to help you. And then he's going to get the glory. Now, you would agree that both of these commands are pretty radical. Don't go, (gasps) Instead, please somebody. And don't put the emphasis on yourself. These are radical ways to live. And yet, is anybody of us any good at it? See, we got to learn skills. And this is why James says, get a hero. Because when you're running around actually pleasing somebody else, that's not cheap, that's costly. It's going to cost you to obey James and to obey God and just sit, run around and say, "What well, can I do something for you? Can I make your life better? Because in a- actuality, you irritate the living daylights out of me, and I would just, this is how I'm going to take you on, pal. I'm going to please you. Hold still while I'm trying to please you. I need a little life skill training here. You know, I don't have any patience with people, and I don't like suffering with people, because it is expensive, and I, don't, I can't afford it. The only one who can afford it is Jesus, because he's rich in love and compassion, just like we were talking about this morning in the worship. Rich, but that's not me. So that's why you see so few people do what Jesus said to do. Isn't that interesting? There's all this stuff written down in Scripture, and you hardly see anybody doing it. You do see people famous for singing songs about Jesus, and they got videos, and they got dramatic camera swoops. And they got the audience, and everybody's entranced about Jesus. And they're singing their songs. And they got the poses. And they got the mic technique. Famous for singing songs about Jesus. And there are people who are famous for building large churches, stadiums. These are the people who are famous, but Do you see people famous for pleasing others? Famous for being humble and depending on Jesus? Who are those guys? The answer is you don't see that very much. So people don't do what Jesus said. And that makes our Christianity really bland and weak and despicable. Nobody's going to look at a bland Christian life and say, hey, I want to do that. Because most Christians kind of look around and say, everybody's nice, I'm nice, I'm okay. Christianity is not being nice. I'm saying that with my angry face. It's not about being nice. If you can be a nice little gentleman, that's like being a Christian. (sighs) That is not Christianity, folks. It is living with the spirit of Jesus in you. And the life of Jesus has to come out of you. And if it doesn't, is Jesus in you? You know, Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, examine yourselves to see whether Christ is in you. And he says, I trust you will realize we do not fail the test. People can look at our lives and just say, well, that's nice. I'm nice. I could do nice. Why do I have to mess my life up with Jesus for? See? But we're going to have to give an account of our lives before Jesus. So what are we going to do? And here's James's radical solution. Get a hero who is way beyond you that you can look at their life and pick it up. This is what you do. Because, like I say, unfortunately, you're not going to see that a lot in church. Isn't that kind of sad? You should be able to look at Pastor whats face and get a clue. And actually, I looked at my pastor, and I thought, oh, my goodness. I can never be like him. He's an amazing guy. I think I've told this before, that he would go to order the pizza after a day of outreach. And we'd be sitting there waiting and waiting. Where is he? And we'd go up to the counter where he's supposed to be ordering the pizza, and he's talking to the waitress at the cash register, and he's already found out that she's a lapsed Catholic, and she's not doing so good, you know, i was following the Lord, and I'm just like, wait, get the pizza, will ya? <laughs> this guy's an outreach maniac. And I thought, that's what you're supposed to do. So I was riding the buses all the time as a university student. I'd strike up these conversations with people and try to tell them about Jesus. And they would just, you know, get out of here, dandruff. And I would walk away, and it would feel so bad. But I thought, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what he does. That's what I'm supposed to do. I didn't know any better that nobody does this stuff. So I just did it. But you notice, there's not a lot of people doing this stuff and James says get a hero somebody to imitate he says take the prophets imitate their lives you can learn from them about the right way to live and he says they're an example of suffering and you go oh no (laughs) what? Yes, they suffered. They're the ones who spoke in the name of the Lord. And you know what? They had to say exactly what God said. Do you remember when Samuel was called as a prophet? And God gave him this word, and it was against the priest, Eli. And Samuel was trying to duck this and not say it because it's like, he's like a father figure. How do, you, how do you say these harsh things to this guy? And Eli grabs him and he says, you know what, the Lord do it to you and more also if you hold one word back from me. And so Samuel learned, you have to deliver every single word that God says and you can't change it and you can't bend it to make anybody happy. You have to say it. You have to be faithful. So you know the prophets are an example of suffering because people didn't like listening to what the prophets had to say. They rejected them. They regarded them lightly. They mocked them. They ridiculed them. They would beat them up. They would imprison them. They would conspire to kill them. And then they did kill him. I don't think one prophet ever died a natural death. Think about that one for a minute. You know, Elijah, personally, was so disappointed in the whole scene, he says, you know what, kill me now. Man of God, on the floor, going, I'm done, kill me now. But God doesn't even do that. God says to Ezekiel, I am going to take away the desire of your eyes with a single stroke, and you are not to mourn. You're not to do anything about it. And he says, in the evening, my wife died as a sign to Israel. Can you imagine that? So Jeremiah is supposed to buy a field. And he's in prison, and the country is about to be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And Jeremiah says, what? I'm in prison, and you want me to buy a field? This place is going to get destroyed. What what do you want me to do here? And you know, these prophets wanted to quit. They would try to quit, and guess what? They couldn't. They kept giving in their resignation to God, and they keep getting them back. You're in this for life, pal. Great. Super duper. You think, well, doesn't that sound attractive? That's me. Can I be a prophet, please? Can I suffer miserably? Nobody here wants to do that, right? Right. Yet. But this is the one thing about prophets that I thought was so interesting. They're examples of patience, the ability to endure all kinds of suffering without losing it, to stay ordered and calm no matter what. All the suffering they went through for God did not overwhelm them. All that personal darkness that they went through did not overwhelm them. They kept going until they obtained the promise of God. See, they made it. So you have to look at their life and say, how did they do it? Because I would like to learn how to do that. I remember reading in Psalm 40, where it says, "I waited patiently for the Lord, and He heard my cry, and He drew me out of the pit of destruction." And I remember thinking, "Well, that's a good trick to learn. How do you learn to wait patiently in a pit of destruction?" Tum tum tum. Well, I'm in the pit of destruction. No one can help me, but I'm waiting patiently. There, there. I thought, that's a good life skill. Teach me how to do that. I'm in my own pit of destruction right now. Could I please learn how to do that? Would you please show me? Good life skill. And you know, I asked that question, and God showed me. And he showed me how these prophets all endured, every single one of them. Do you want to know the answer? And then he died. Dang! (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) No, no, no. Do you know how they made it? Do you know how they survived this? Every single one of them saw God. Mind-blowing. Every single one of them saw God. Now, wait a minute. You can't see God. Wait a minute. How did they do that? But if you look at their lives... They all saw God, every single one of them. Abraham saw God. Jacob saw God. David saw God. Job saw God. Now this is the example that James gives. He says, you've heard about the perseverance of Job. Now, Job is like, he's the one you quote when you talk about suffering. Oh, yeah, the sufferings of Job. And man, you go, I don't ever want to go there. You lose everything in a day, and then you get sick. And you wish you were dead, but you have to keep living. He went right down to rock bottom, and then he got three friends who would not let up. Job, All you got to do is confess your sins to God and he'll forgive you and the earth shall smell like roses forevermore. Just come out with it. And he says, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. What's the deal? And then God showed up. Job saw God. Isn't that interesting? You look at all the prophets. They, all of them, saw God. Now, when you see God, it changes things. Because who are people next to God? What is the difficulty next to God? What is the suffering Next to God. You know what it is? Light, momentary suffering. Just, Because when you see God, you see the life, you see the glory. You look what happens when these guys see God and they have a new perspective on life and they say, that is worth it. When you see God, it changes everything. Now, suffering is still suffering. Jeremiah still didn't like getting put in prison. People are still nasty. But when you see God, you see hope. And if you have hope, then nothing is going to run you over Nothing is going to make you surrender. You're not going to say, it's too hard. I can't do this. And you say to yourself, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going until my part is done. Because he says here, you see the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. This is what all the prophets testify. That when you surrender to the purposes of God and get over yourself, then you're going to experience the compassion and mercy of God. So, If you just stay like you are and don't do anything, you're going to come into judgment. Because it's so natural to just go, (sighs) isn't it? I mean, this week you did that. (laughs) Guaranteed. Just one little thing bugged you and you breathed hard. Because I know, I did that last night. I'm surprised I didn't wake up the whole house breathing that hard. (laughs) Because I'm an Olympic quality breather. And you know, we're going to get discouraged if we just stay the way we are. And we are not to allow ourselves to be overcome by the devil. Does everybody hear me? God doesn't want you beat up by the devil and discouraged so that you want to quit. He doesn't want you to do that. So we need to get over ourselves and focus on others. That is, make their lives better. Try this, and you're going to see how backwards this is to yourself. And now you're gonna say, what am I gonna do? And this is why you need a hero. I'm not gonna make you do it. Nobody's fired if you don't do it. Some of you guys are gonna go, I don't care about this. I don't wanna do this. But let me just say, if you get yourself a hero and say, that's what I want my life to look at, like it's going to change the way you approach your whole life, okay? Because there are guys who know how to follow Jesus. And they're not these guys that are so amazing you can't touch them. You could say to yourself, what did they do? And what could I do as a result of looking at their lives? See, our problem is we look at everybody else and we go, I'm more or less kind of in there somewhere, no sweat. But when you read about one of these guys that's amazing and your jaw drops right to the ground and you say, I haven't even lived yet, look at this guy. So you look and see what God can do with a life that's fully yielded to God. Somebody said that to D.L. Moody one time. He said, Moody, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man who is completely yielded to him. And Moody on the inside said, let me be that guy. So you could get a, a biography of D.L. Moody and read it and find out what insane things he did in his life. And when you read stuff like this, Biographies is what I'm talking about. You realize your problems are not the biggest problems that have ever been faced in history. People went through unbelievable things. And they have, people have learned what you need to know. So you say to yourself, I'm going to find out how to live life for real. And you know what it means is starting to read history, stuff that really happened. And you say, Fate worse than death. I don't like reading. Well, find it on Spotify. Isn't that it? Audiobooks? Audible. But just in this respect, you can look at their lives and say either that's what I want to be like or that's what I do not want to be like that. Now, you got a whole Bible here. If you just master this one book, it is a book full of biography. True lives really happened. These people following God, you can look at what they did what they didn't do and how they blew it and what to do when you blow it. Those are all good life skills, because everybody blows it. Did everybody know that? Okay. But you can read church history for clues. That's not a dumb story. That is the real history of the world. These are the real world changers, not the stuff you read about in history. Because everybody else, everybody you read about in normal history, these are the guys that destroyed the world. I had a history professor at university who says that history is really just the list of all the battles in history and who killed who. But when you read church history, you're talking about saving lives. And... Establishing nations. And it is so fascinating. You'll never get this stuff in school. But these are the people that keep the world together. And they've changed the course of history. These are the real heroes. So when you read church history, look out for guys that did things and you think, dang, I want to find out more about him. Now, I actually have, I I made a a list of books that I've read about. You're anticipating me. Guys that I've read that dropped my jaw to the floor. There's probably guys you haven't heard of. Some maybe that you have. But I want to make these things available to you if you want to check it out. You guys on the live stream, I am so sorry. Sorry. You can get all this stuff on abebooks.co.whatever country you're in, maybe. But I would read these books and just think, man, I haven't even begun to breathe yet. And it was kind of exhilarating to think, you know, you can live much more extremely for Jesus than you are right now. Why not? Why not? Instead of being a schlump, an inert potato for Jesus, a boneless chicken, <laughs> So here's a list. And if anybody wants this list, I can send it to you on PDF. If you guys in town want to check out the books, I will even go that far. I will will entrust you with my personal property. And I will hunt you down. Well... Here's what I want to encourage you. Don't excuse yourself from living intensely for Jesus. Don't excuse yourself. Don't say, well, you know, I can't do this because I'm too young or I'm too old or, you know, I'm not an extreme type. That's not me. I'm just kind of a type. I just want to be me. There's all sorts of ways to excuse ourselves and politely decline and say, no, I don't want to live intensely for Jesus, even though that's the only way to live for Jesus. You know, if you excuse yourself and say, gee, I just don't want to do this, what we're basically saying is, you know, I just don't want to participate in this life of Jesus at all. You know, when God came to Moses and said, I want you to free my people in Israel, and Moses says, couldn't you find somebody else to do this? You know what it says? The anger of the Lord burned against Moses! Moses! Moses, I am making you an offer that you may not refuse. Because you stupid idiot, I am gonna bless you beyond your understanding. And you're saying, oh well no, I don't think so. You knucklehead. You dope. That's in the Hebrew, but not translated. And you don't want God saying to you, you dope. I am inviting you to the experience of a lifetime and you want to just be mediocre? You want to slither and slime your way to heaven eventually? What you do is say like Esther did. She has to go in to King Ashuerus without being invited, and if he doesn't hold out the golden scepter to her, she dies right on the spot. And she hasn't seen him for a month. And her uncle Mordecai says, if you don't do this, you're not going to make it either. She says, okay, if I die, I die. That's what you say. You say to God, okay, if I die, I die. At least you're dying the right way for God and not just, I want to quit. Let me not be afraid to live completely for you like the prophets. And here's how you do it. You see God. Now, you know, you can read your whole Bible through and never see God once, but he's there. And people can read their Bibles and nothing. It's just another book. But if you open it up and you say, God, I've got to see you. I've got to see you. Please let me see you. Guess what? You're going to see God. This is his promise. You will see the God who is unseen. And you have to see him. And you will see him. Don't you want to see God? You need to see God. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the light of the world. You're the one shining into this darkness. And you're shining in in order to reveal yourself so that we don't live in darkness and die smothered in darkness. But instead, you reveal yourself in light. And so you say to us, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And I thank you that you do not want us to be overwhelmed by the darkness. We need to be able to see you and not just pretend to ourselves, but know that we are seeing the unseen God. Now, please work that out in our lives. And please help us to look at lives of the prophets and the apostles and missionaries and people who lived utterly, completely for you. does anybody this morning want to commit themselves to following Jesus? And I don't mean to get saved, but just to say, I want to do this. Because you're tired of living a schlump life. And you want to know God, but it's so hard. If you want encouragement this morning, if you want me to pray for you, just put up your hand and I'm happy to pray for you. All right? You can just draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? I wanna I wanna live right for Jesus. Anybody else? Yep. Yep. See, that's good. That's good. Okay, let's pray. Here we are, Heavenly Father. And you know, you know everything about us. And you know what's wrong with us. And you know what you want to do to make us right. And we want to give ourselves completely to you. And we want you to work in our lives. We want to have role models. Lord, help us to find that hero so we can say, that's what I want to be. And we can get hot on the trail. And help us to see you. We don't want to go through life blind, missing you because you're everywhere and yet we're not seeing you. So make us aware of you. Help us to look steadily at you in the face of Christ. Christ. and let us be transformed into his image from glory to glory. Help us to keep looking at you. Do a great work, we ask. Thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.